Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. A reminder, we're on our summer schedule of two shows a month through July. We'll throw in a Michigan Man Extra each month, too, and give you a heads up on Facebook and Twitter when it goes live. On our game day segment today, we'll be joined by Michigan great John Jansen with his assessment of spring practice and much more. Today's show is brought to you by Hall Financial, where client satisfaction is at the core of everything they do. Speak with a mortgage expert today at 248-574-8323. That's 248-574-8323. And don't forget to tell them you heard about them on The Michigan Man. On news and notes today, college football's early signing period is now official. The Collegiate Commissioners Association voted on Monday to enact an early signing period, which is effective for the 2018 class and will last from December 20th through the 22nd this year. It coincides with the first three days of the mid-year junior college transfer national letter of intent period. Four-star quarterback Joe Milton from Orlando has committed to Michigan. The 6'6", 220-pound signal caller is the first quarterback commitment in the class. He picked Michigan over Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and a host of other schools. We now have eight verbals in the class. Later this month, Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will be with us to update all of the latest recruiting news. That show will air on May 24th. Jim Harbaugh and staff will be busy with satellite camps in June. On the schedule are stops at Mercer University in Georgia, John Carroll near Cleveland, Valdosta State in Georgia, University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Florida Atlantic in Boca Raton, Tennessee State in Nashville, and UCLA. The staff will also be attending camp at Sam Houston in Huntsville, Texas, but there is no firm date on that visit at this time. What a spring it was for Michigan football. Practice opened in March, and the position battles began in earnest. It concluded in Rome in April with three practices, and what Jim Harbaugh called the best experience of his life and an incredible educational experience for his team. Michigan great John Jansen is up next on game day to discuss that and more. First to time out for a word from this week's sponsor, Hall Financial. Hey, this is David Hall here from Hall Financial with a fun fact. I graduated from the University of Michigan back in the day and I bleed maize and blue. In fact, it hurts me every time we have to hire a Spartan or even worse, a Buckeye. But, you know, they make it up to me with how well they take care of our clients at Hall Financial. Client satisfaction is at the core of everything we do. It's why we're racking up five-star lender reviews on Zillow. Speak with a mortgage expert today and call us whether you're purchasing or you want to refinance at 248-574-8323. That's 248-574-8323. Or you can chat with us online. Go to davidhallmortgage.com. That's davidhallmortgage.com. Hit the chat button. Send us your questions or your situation. We'll get back to you right away. Lower rates, better options, more personal attention. That's all financial. 248-574-8323. Restrictions apply. A Michigan licensed broker. Lender and NMLS number. 1467-435. Equal housing lender. Back with us on our game day segment this week to uh, take a look back at spring practice and just talk some Michigan football 
former Wolverine great John Jansen. John, great to have you back with us. Hey, it's great to be with you. Well, a lot of things to talk about. We had a very exciting spring. Uh, It's in the books, as we said, but fans and and media from around the country still seem to want to uh, to talk about that Rome trip, John. I think everyone, including Jim Harbaugh, would agree that whole week was better than expected for so many reasons, wasn't it? Well, I think it was. And, you know, when they just, you know, take a, out the experience of all of the things that they did there, just the fact that they took that trip as a team and it's, an, it's a shared experience. It's something that they did together that is unique to them, unique to this team. You know, it, the seniors from last year obviously weren't there. Some of the the, the early enrollee freshmen were there, so it's something that they were able to do. And having that shared experience, they will be able to, you know, use that to build their team chemistry, um, and and just so many things that they'll look back on, and it just brings them closer together as friends, as teammates, as you know, and and the the players get to see the coaches in a much different light than just as the guys that are yelling at them in practice. And I know that that's not necessarily how all players see them, but it, you, you really need to see your coaches in, in a different way um, to continue to grow your team. And I think that provided a, an amazing opportunity. One of the things that, as far as a snapshot that I remember, that was really something to see where uh, Jim and Sarah Harbaugh get close to the Holy Father give him a Michigan helmet and his Nike shoes, and then see the team out in the crowd in their suits. I think they were the only ones in suits that day, so you could, besides being big, you could pick them out in the crowd. But it was an amazing sight to see that, wasn't it? Well, it was. And and you know what? It, they, they represented the university extremely well. Um, and and that's what you want to see from, from the Michigan football team. Hey, they should be, you know, they're going to see the Pope. They should show respect, and they showed up. Um, all wearing, you know, their suits and, and looking sharp and looking good. And, you know, they got a chance to meet the Pope. They had a chance to do some cooking classes. They had, and, and of course, if you're going to have a cooking class, you got to have a competition and, you know, seeing Don Brown and, and, you know, hear him, you know, shouting things at a cooking competition and going to the opera, doing all those things. And one of the things I think that was extremely exciting and, and, great about that trip is that you've got a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids and we didn't have one report of you know somebody getting in trouble or somebody doing something stupid they all acted like like the class michigan athletes that they are and and again represented michigan football represented the university we're all very proud of them and and excited to hear more stories about what they were able to do over there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when this whole thing was uh, laid out for us, the teams going to Rome, I think uh, a lot of uh, Michigan fans wondered, hmm, a big trip. And, of course, the national media, a lot of people were saying, oh, this is a recruiting stunt, and this is another uh, Jim Harbaugh, I'm in the news, uh, watch me. But, you know, after the trip, of course, we, we heard what some of the players thought and we heard what Coach Harbaugh thought, but... Uh, the media that was over there covering this event. And then here, the comment that sort of jumps out at me was Paul Feinbaum, who we know down there in SEC country, uh, likes to take his shots at Jim Harbaugh and the Big Ten. But even he said Jim Harbaugh hit a home run with this one. Well, he did. And, and you know, when you look at 
Yeah, sure. There, anything that the Michigan football program does, anything Jim Harbaugh does is going to be recruiting. You never turn off the recruiting because you're always looking for what you can do to improve your program, and players see that. That's, that's just a natural thing. But, you know, for the fact of the matter that I, 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 I would have loved to have gone to Rome at some point in my life. I've never had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those kids – yeah, they would have loved to have gone to Rome, but would have maybe never had that opportunity. Now it's something that they'll be able to remember and share with their family for the rest of their life. That's very true. And I know a lot of the critics said, well, they're getting to go because they are student athletes. But really, everyone that goes to college knows this. This is something students do. This is something other students have the time to do and have the benefit of doing so. This was just an extraordinary opportunity for these young men from an educational perspective, too, that other students have access to. Well, yeah, and, and not only that, but, you know, if you, if you start to think globally, they got a chance to see, you know, kids grow up, whether it's the inner city or it's in the farm country or, or, or suburban areas, they don't get exposed to how other people see America. And, and how other people see U.S. citizens. Now, all of a sudden, you pick them up and you throw them at Rome. Now they get a chance to interact with some other people. And how are they treated in other countries as Americans? How are they seen as Americans? And I think it's a great way to open the kids' eyes to say, hey, this is how we see the world and life, but this is another, this is another view. This is how you know, people in, in Italy see the, the rest of the world. And I think it's a, it's a, it was a great learning experience and, um, you know, and the culture and, and everything involved in it. It's just something that you can't put a price tag on and, and you probably can't even, you know, put a value on it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, no, I agree. And uh, as Jim Harbaugh said, uh, when he came home, there were no negative negatives about this. Everything was good. So I'm sure in the rest of the spring and summer, we're going to be hearing more stories about that. But Rome aside, uh, a very important spring for Michigan football, John. And all we had to do was look at that recent NFL draft to see where most of last year's uh, starting unit is going to be this fall. Uh, replacing most of his starters, though, sure doesn't seem to uh, to phase Jim at all and his outlook, does it? No, and, and you know what? If you're going to be successful in college football, you can't worry about losing players, especially if guys are going to go early, um, you know, as, as redshirt sophomores or as juniors. That's just part of being a great program and, and recruiting great athletes. You're, you know you're only going to have them for three, maybe four years. And, um, and I think we, we saw that in the fact that, you know, two years ago and, and even last year, how many of the true freshmen started and, and saw experience? Because we know that they're not going to be there for four years. They're, they're that kind of talent. And when you recruit that kind of talent, you have to expect one that they're going to leave, but you also have to expect that the young talent coming in is going to step up and play the same way because they're going to have to. And that's the type of recruiting we're, we're, we're almost to the point where we we're there at some positions where, yeah, okay, we just reload and we plug in the next guy, other positions we're getting there. Um, but that's, that's where this Michigan program is at. If there was a surprise coming out of spring practice, it was probably the play of Brandon Peters at quarterback. Granted, uh, the spring game was a snapshot. We all got to see him uh, that day. But he looks like the real deal, doesn't he, John? He does. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people are saying it is a surprise. And, and I've got the benefit of, of seeing him more than, 
than most people and watching him, uh, you know, sometimes at practice and, um, and I've watched film on him from high school and, um, I, no surprise at all to me. Uh, and, and that's again, an area where Wilton Spate, we know what Wilton Spate can do. And, and did he look great in the spring game? You know, not particularly, but that's one day again, it's a snapshot. And, um, but the competition that Brandon Peters is providing for Wilton Spate will drive him to be better. And it will also drive Brandon, Brandon Peters to try and surpass what Wilton Spate has done. And that competition, not just at the quarterback position, but at the wide receiver position, at the O-line position, on the defensive line, linebackers, corners, all of those different positions, that same competition is there. You're penciled in as a starter. And if somebody else plays better and they can help the team win in, in, you know, in a better way, they're going to be in there. So that competition is what is going to drive Michigan to continue to improve as a team, as a program. Um, and I think it's, it's awesome to see. Well, and we always hear Jim Harbaugh say his system is a meritocracy. So you get what you earn. So we would expect that as uh, the summer progresses and you head into camp, it's going to be a battle with uh, Wilton and Brandon, isn't it? Well, it is. It's going to be a battle in every position. And, um, you know, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it was when, when I played. I, I was a starter for four years, but I was always looking over my shoulder saying, who's the next five-star recruit that could possibly take my spot? I need to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to hold on to my position and make myself better so that when Saturdays come, I'm the, I'm the guy that's on the offensive line. And, and that is what those guys are doing. And it's not that they're always looking over their shoulder. It's that those young guys are continually pushing them to get better. And that's what drives great football programs. You look at Alabama and what Nick Saban has done there. It seems like they're always reloading. And those young guys are always pushing. And all of a sudden you see, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts as a freshman quarterback come in and, and play. That's because he was the best player. And if, and if, if, Hey, if McCaffrey comes in next year and he's better than Wilton Spate or better than Brandon Peters, he's going to be the guy that's out there. That's just the way the world works. As always, the offensive line will be key to success this fall. And we have a couple of returning starters, but a lot of young guys competing for jobs. Did you like what you saw in the trenches overall this spring? I was very excited about what happened in the spring game um I, as everybody knows the offensive line is, is an area where right now we're we're not necessarily reloading um we're still continuing to uh, acquire talent and accumulate talent but we've got a great base of it with mason cole a guy that can play anywhere on on the offensive line has shown that he can play anywhere on the offensive line i would i i really would like to see him stay at center but I understand that, it, you know, for our offensive line right now, he had to play out at left tackle. Ben Bredesen um, is a great young talent and is getting better every day. When I watch him at practice, he is it, – it's fun to watch because you can see him do – try new techniques. And, and the first time he tries it, it seems a little awkward. Then all of a sudden, the next time he tries it, it works and something, something good happens. And you can see that light bulb go on almost every play. And then you start going down the line and, and um, you know, you look at, at even just the early enrollees in terms of um, Cesar Ruiz Chavez or Cesar Ruiz. Um, I, I thought that, that he did a tremendous job having only had what eight, eight or nine practices. Mm -hmm. um, 
I thought he did tremendous. Um, I was excited about the fact that when, when John Runyon Jr., um, you know, playing at right tackle, I thought going into that spring game, that was a position where I was looking at going, I don't know who's going to be there. Is it going to be Runyon? Is it going to be Bushel Beatty? Um, I thought he played very well. Um, Patrick Kugler, a guy that's been around a long time, I think he's finally developed uh, and, and could take over that center position, allowing Mason Cole to go out um, to that left tackle position. And then, you know, you look at all the other guys, um, you know, Grant Newsom obviously didn't play. He's still recovering from that knee injury, but to see him walking around on the sidelines um, was, was, was great to see. Michael Onwenu, um, I was a little concerned about, you know, last year he was such a big kid mm -hmm. and you see a lot of kids come in and they're, and they're big and they don't really know how to handle their bodies. Um, he's put a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of work in the weight room. And you can see that he is, I don't know that he's dropped any weight, but he's firmed a lot of things up and he looked, looked very good. Um, I already mentioned Patrick Kugler. I, I was, I was excited to see the offensive line play as a unit work well and do the little things correctly in terms of their first step, you know, being in the right position, their helmet placement, their hand placement, all of those things, whether they worked or not, does not matter to me in the spring. And they worked more than they didn't. But the fact of the matter is that they were able to execute their technique. They knew it. They knew what they were supposed to do. They were, they were using it. And that's only going to improve over the summer and into the fall. Well, Tim Drevno said after the last practice in Rome that he likes his depth up front, which I think maybe surprised some Michigan fans. Do you think, John, are we a little better off than we thought as far as depth on that offensive line? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and, and not only that, um, but when you look at who's still coming in, I mean, Chuck Filiaga, he's a monster. He's 6'6", 340 as a freshman, and... I, when I watch film on him as a high school player, he moves extremely well. And it's sometimes tough to judge some of those guys against other high school talent. But um, when you see a guy move his feet the way that he did, you know, that's exciting to me. Joel Honigford, um, I'm excited to see him come in. He's a big kid, um, big frame, a little bit lighter right now, but can put on, um, has room to put on a lot of mass. And, you know, when I look at what we already have, what we have coming in, I've, I've, I, I said this, and, and I talked to, to Brand Statter and Deardorff before the game, and we all said, hey, I don't know what we've got up front. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's tough to judge, mm -hmm. but coming out of that game, I was excited. I think we can go, you know, seven or eight deep now, and, and the, the top five guys are going to be the guys that are playing on Saturdays, but if somebody goes down, I think we've got guys that can go in there and do a a great job. Well, fans would like us to have that stud running back behind this young offensive line. You know, the guy that gets 20 carries, breaks a big one every once in a while. And while we might not have that guy in one package, I think we have to feel pretty good about Evans and Isaac and Higdon and Walker. Those are four pretty darn good backs to work with, John, aren't they? Oh, they are. And and one of the things, um, I know we got a chance to, to get a, a little bit of a look at Kareem Walker, which we didn't see him last year. Um, he came in with so much hype and so much promise. Um, I like the fact that they were able to use him not just out of the backfield, but they used him as a slot receiver. They used him as a receiver. And when you can have running backs that you have the confidence, to me that means 
he can catch the football. But when you have a running back that can not only run and, and perform in the, in the ground game, but can also be a threat in the pass game, your offensive playbook just grew by about three or four fold. And to have those guys back there and be able to have the, the you know, really no drop off in four or five different backs, you can throw them in there and, and you know exactly what you're going to get. I think Chris Evans had a great spring um, and, and, and we know what he can do. We saw him last year. He's only going to get better. Um, Ty Isaac, I thought um, he looks lean. He looks fast. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely proud of him coming from where he was just a couple of years ago, really in the doghouse. And now all of a sudden he's going to be a guy that one was invited back for his fifth year. So, you know, he's been able to do his work. He's been able to do the job to prove that he's earned his fifth year. And he's going to be a guy that's counted on. And I'm excited for the depth that we have back there. Well, out on the uh, receiving core, Amara Darbo, Jay Hugh Chesson, Jake Butt, they're all NFL bound. But man, even though unproven, we got to look at a lot of young receivers uh, during spring. And the potential is just amazing with these guys, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and obviously, you know, everybody's talking about Tariq Black and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, Tariq Black was targeted a number of times in, in the spring game. I thought he looked very good. I thought he ran good routes. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones wasn't targeted as much. But when I look at receivers, I, I want to see two things. How do they run their routes when they're not targeted? You know, are they still running hard? Because you never know what can happen. All of a sudden, something breaks down. A defense makes a mistake. And, and if you're running that route hard, all of a sudden, you know, Wilton Spade or Brandon Peters, whoever's that quarterback, is going to deliver that football. And that's when big plays happen. I thought all of our receivers ran extremely hard when they were not the target. And I also was excited of the fact that the second thing I look for in, in wide receivers is how do they block in the run game? Because if you're going to break big runs on a regular basis, you've got to be able to get those corners and those safeties dug out. The only guys that can do that are your wide receivers. And I was very excited. The effort that I saw, um, they didn't always get the job done, but the effort was there and they're going to figure out, you know, what it takes to block uh, a big 10 safety and, and get in there and, and what angle they have to take. And that's all part of the learning process. But the effort was there and, and I really was excited about that. Well, I know I feel much better uh, after the spring game about the offense, probably because the offensive line uh, was a very pleasant surprise to me. But in reality, uh, when the bullets start to fly in September, it is, uh, it's going to take some time for this group of players, these young guys, to get cohesive and gel, isn't it? Well, they're going to have to do that throughout the summer, and that's something that Mason Cole um, and Wilton Spate are going to have to to, to get done. That's, that's what you need from your quarterback. That's what you need from your senior offensive lineman, because they're not going to have time during the season to gel as a unit, gel as a group. They're going to, they're going to face Florida um, in Texas and Florida is one of the best defenses in the country. They've got a lot of great players coming back, a lot of speed. Um, and, and they're going to have to be on their A game to start the season. And, um, and I think they will be. And, and cause those guys are going to take them by the, you know, uh, by the you know the bull by the horns and, and get the job done and that's that's what's expected um, you know there's not time during the season to say hey you know we we were pretty good in week one but you know look out for us come week you know seven or eight that with the way the college football set up now you don't have that luxury you can't take a loss early in the season and hope that people forget about it because they don't 
Um, and, and you know, the Michigan offense is going to have to be ready to go week one. With us on our game day segment this week is Michigan great John Jansen as we uh, take a look back at the Rome trip and spring practice and look ahead to uh, this fall. On the defensive side, John, I know it's wishful thinking to expect our defense to pick up where it left off last year. But, you know, Don Brown, you'll listen to him. He's such an upbeat, energetic guy. He, he thinks it's going to be a very good defense again. And he said he thinks it could be as good as last year. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. Um, we may not have the same depth. You know, last year was a little bit of a special year in terms of we had three guys deep up front in every position. We had, you know, uh, special players at, uh, you know, at, at, at some special spots in the secondary. But that's where Jim Harbaugh's recruiting and, the, and this staff and Don Brown really have, have developed the talent that they've recruited. Don Brown, when he was at Boston College, had the number one defense in the country. And last year when he was at Michigan, his first year, he had the number one defense in the country. When you give a, a coach like Don Brown the talent that he's been given at Michigan. I expect that they're going to be in the top one, two, or three every year on defense. And when you look up front, um, you know, Chase Winovich, Brian Monet, Rashawn Gary, Mo Hurst, to me, that that's probably the best front four in, in college football, you know, and, and, and hopefully those guys stay healthy. And, and if they don't, they'll plug somebody else in there, but those guys will 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 make a name for themselves. They'll be talking about this 2017 defensive line, much like you were talking about Taco Charlton and all those guys from last year. They're they're going to be extremely good. Rashawn Gary, in my mind, he's 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 not unblockable yet, but he's becoming that unblockable type of player because when he sees when when he studies the game of football and when he rushes on an offensive lineman in one-on-one pass pro or, or a one-on-one situation in the spring game, he's setting you up for the next move. And he's, he's got a move off of a move. And, and a lot of guys have one good move, and, and they hope that that works every time. And a lot of times it works. But when it doesn't work, the great players have a move off that move, and that's where Rashawn Gary is going to separate himself from a lot of defensive linemen because he's got that kind of talent. So you're not worried at all about the depth on the D-line this year? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm excited about what we've got up front. Uh, I really am, and, and I can't wait to see those. I cannot wait to see what they do against that Florida offense. I think it's going to be a defensive battle in that game, um, and I'll take our defense over theirs any day of the week. Well, Mike McCray is the lone starter uh, back in that linebacking core, but again, plenty of young talent uh, fighting for time there. And Devin Bush Jr., though, uh, he sure looks like a player. He really uh, jumped out in the spring. He he is really quick, isn't he? He's really quick, and and there are some guys that, you know, they they talked last year about guys that are good at football. Devin Bush is one of those guys, and and some guys just have that natural ability, that natural timing, that natural role of an explosion in their hips and their body. On uh, upon contact, they just they deliver a great blow. And Devin Bush is one of those guys. We saw it last year, and I thought it was a bad call when Devin Bush hit that kid against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, it got me really excited because this he, he wasn't given a lot of playing time last year because there was you know other guys in front of him. But this year he's going to be called upon and. I'm excited about the the hits that he'll deliver, 
the fact that he can cover sideline to sideline. That was one of the things that I think we we struggled on last year, especially later in the season. It got a little exposed that our linebackers couldn't cover backs out of the backfield. They couldn't cover some of those slot receivers. This year, I think we're a little bit faster, and we're going to be a little bit better in that coverage, but we're still going to have great run support. So I think if there's an area where you could say definitely we're going to be better this year, it's going to be at the linebacker position. Yeah, and you know, watching that spring game after the game, of course, people said, boy, Wilton had sort of a rough day. But really, uh, when you look at the tape again, I'm not sure if Wilton had such a bad day. It was that Devin Bush had such an incredible day. He was in the backfield chasing Wilton all day. Well, he was. And, and you know, it, it, there's there's two things I, I kind of remember from from that is the fact that Don Brown, his theory is if there's a problem, I'm going to solve it with violence. And <laughs> Uh, and I love, I love that he said that. It, it just, it warms my heart that that's what he thinks about when he's on the football field. And and he had a, a blitz where there were, you know, it, he was confusing things for the offensive line. And if it works once, let's do it again, and until the offense stops it. And that's what they continue to do. And Devin Bush was in the backfield all the time. On the other side. I liked it that they went into the offensive line went into halftime and said, Hey, this blitz is, is killing us. How do we stop it? How do we fix it? And they fixed it. They, they made that, that halftime adjustment, the in-game adjustments, they came out and they were able to block it. So all of a sudden Don Brown says, okay, um, good job guys. You, you got that one blocked. Now here's a different variation of it. And all of a sudden Devin Bush is back in the backfield. So, um, you know, the, the fact that he can blitz that he can cover receivers, um, you know, it, it, and you know, you look around, at what you know Devin Gill I thought played played extremely well um so there's a lot of good players at that linebacker position that are going to make this defense uh a very challenging defense to to try and keep up with in terms of blocking schemes well some of the beat writers said after spring that uh, there might be some concern at least early about the secondary of course we're replacing everyone back there but we have again a boatload of talent back there but do you expect some growing pains uh, in that back end uh, there could be, but I think we saw some of those growing pains uh, in the spring game. And, and again, this is going to be an area where some of the seniors on defense are going to have to say, you know what, we need to spend some time on the field. We need to spend some time in the film room. We need to spend some time improving us as a group and as a unit. And when you look at, you say, well, what, what were some of those growing pains? Uh, Benjamin St. Just, um, freshman, uh, early enrollee from Quebec. He was, he was good in coverage. He was in the right position a couple of times, but he just made an error in terms of when the final play happened, he didn't look back for the football. So he got called for pass interference. I think it was two, maybe three times. I know it was at least twice. Mm -hmm. And that is a very correctable mistake. What's hard is to get guys to be in that position. Now all of a sudden, hey, he's already there. He just has to learn to look back for the ball, and some of those could be interceptions. Instead of a, a pass interference call, one of them was in the end zone. Instead of getting the ball on the one-yard line, all of a sudden you've got an interception, and it's Michigan's ball in the 20 going out. And those are the types of growing pains where they can be corrected in the film room, they can be corrected on the practice field, and it's just a matter of the guys making sure that they study their craft, that they perfect their craft. Well, we were fortunate to have a one-man kicking crew for the last few years, and Kenny Allen, what a job he did, and we know he's gone. Hopefully, uh, we'll see him in the NFL on Sundays this fall. 
Quinn Nordine, though, looks to have pretty much locked down the the field goal kicking job, and we haven't seen a lot of him, but just from that one kick in the spring game, we can tell kid has a leg, doesn't he? Oh, does he have a leg or what? I tell you what, I, I think I, I understand now why uh, why Jim Harbaugh spent the night at his house, and, and, and it was so important to recruit this kid. Um, there was actually a point, and I can't remember if it was going in at halftime or at the end of the game, where I thought, hey, let's you know, they just got to get to the 50-yard line because this kid might be able to kick a 60-yarder. Um, and I think he's got that type of leg. If you saw that kick, that ball, um, I don't remember the distance that it was, but it was like a, a, a 35, 40-yard kick, and that ball was still going up when they hit the net. Um, you know, he's got, he's got all the leg he needs. And now what he has to do, you know, and he struggled a little bit last year in terms of, you know, it sounded like he was hurt a little bit. And, and you know, these kickers – they've got to have everything working correctly um, in terms of, you know, their feet, their, you know, where the type of shoes that they're using there. He has to understand that he's going to be kicking on the sideline and and staying loose and making sure that he doesn't have muscle pulls or muscle tightness because that throws those guys off. I mean, it's a very specific skill and a very specific muscle set that, that has to be used in that skill. So, I think he, he learned a lot last year in terms of preparation for the game, preparing during the week, how you work during the game to make sure you're ready to go. And, and if the spring game is any, is any indication, I think that we can pretty much guarantee when we get to the 35-yard line, we've got at least three points. Yeah, I think so. As far as the punting game, though, went, John, I thought they, they looked okay in the spring game. And, of course, I uh, can't think of the young man's name coming from Westerville, uh, Southwesterville, Ohio, rated uh, one of the the best punters in the country and how we picked him up at the last minute, I'll never know, but he's coming in. So it's going to be a wide open battle as far as punting uh, when camp starts, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. And, and honestly, I, I thought that, you know, the, the punting game, you know, you, you can get by with average punters because it's, it's a matter of being able to put it on the right hash or the left hash or the right sideline, left sideline. You can kick away from different guys where I was a little bit concerned was in our punt return. Um, you know, we, we fumbled a couple of balls and, and, you know, the players knew that they weren't going to get hit. So that was probably the biggest concern in my mind coming out of the spring game is, is who's going to be our punt returner. Um, but again, that just is a matter of repetition yeah. of, of working uh, with the jugs. You don't even have to have a punter out there. You, you, you got these jugs that, that, that throw the ball and, um, you know, you can get out there and catch a hundred balls a day by yourself. All you need is somebody to feed the jugs unit. And there's, there's, those people are there. So it's just a matter of repetition at that point. So everything in my mind coming out of the spring game is, is any mistakes that were made are, are, are very correctable, coachable. Um, and it's just a matter of, will the players put in the time, the effort that's needed to make sure that those mistakes don't happen again. Well, a final thought, John, and uh, then we'll let you get on your way. Um, the summer months, of course, uh, are ahead. Michigan fans are expecting big things this fall in year three from Jim Harbaugh. All of us are. But when I look at that schedule, I see Florida in the first game, and you talked about how what a great defense they have, what speed they have. It's a neutral site game. Wisconsin and Penn State on the road. Penn State has already announced uh, the Michigan game is their whiteout for the year. And then, of course, we have Michigan State, Ohio State uh, in the big house, this is a tough schedule, isn't it? 
it's a tough schedule, but I, I don't care. Every schedule that Michigan plays, you know, as long as Jim Harbaugh is going to be there, it's a tough schedule because, like Penn State, they make that their their premium game of the year. That's the the one. Florida is looking at that kickoff game as, hey, if we can beat Michigan, we can make a run at a national title. All these other teams, Wisconsin, hey, we got to beat Michigan if we want a chance to win the Big Ten title. Uh, Penn State, same thing. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, they know they got to come to Ann Arbor. And they all know that the, the Big Ten title runs through Ann Arbor. It runs through that Michigan football team. So everybody puts a big old bullseye on Michigan, and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the, that's the pressure that we put on ourselves. That's the pressure we accept, and we, and we thrive under that pressure. So I'm excited about our schedule, um, and, and I couldn't be more excited about this 2017 Michigan football team. Well, that Florida game looms large to me, though, John, when I look at that. Uh, they are, as we've talked about, such a talented team. With a young team, if you could go even neutral site and beat them, that has to just tell you, hey, we are a good football team. We are darn good. No question. And, you know, it's when you look at the way college football is going, and, you know, the college football playoffs and the selection committee and, and, and you know, whatever you want to call them, um, they're looking at once everybody plays their three games, they're into their league. They're into their, you know, Pac-12 schedule, the, the SEC, the ACC, uh, you know, the Big 12, all that. They're into their schedule, and they're playing, you know, like talent. But what happens in those first three games? Who do you schedule? Who do you play? How do you play against them? Where do you play them? Are they all at home? I think one of the things that was uh, that that was a drawback last year when the when the playoff committee got together was the fact that Michigan's first what five or six games were at home, right? And you know, and they weren't spectacular wins. Now all of a sudden, you go to 2017 and you look, okay, hey, they're going to play Florida in you know at a neutral site in Texas, and whoever comes out of that game is going to be looked at as a front runner for the for a, a playoff spot that's just the way it is and those are the games that you have to schedule look at 2018 we open up with notre dame and you know that's that's where i think ward manuel has done a, a terrific job um of scheduling some of these games and looking ahead and say and, and the foresight to say if, if we're going to be considered at the end of the year for the college football playoffs those first three games are extremely important. We have to schedule games that are big-time opponents. We can't just always schedule them at home. We'd love to have them at home, but we have to be able to play them on the road, whether it's a neutral site or in their spot. Um, and, and I think it's exciting to see where this football program is going, not just in terms of the talent that we have on the field, but also in the scheduling and the positions where we're putting these players in um, to have great success. Well, I think we're all excited for that September 3rd game, but we've got a few months to uh, to take it uh, easy and think about it. So uh, it was a great hey, spring. Hey, hey there's, no, there's no taking it easy. Well, there's no. never an easy day. <laughs> Michigan football, hey, it's preparing for Florida. It's preparing for Wisconsin. It's uh, every day, like I said, Mason Cole, Wilton Spate, got to get that defense going. Rashawn Gary, Mo Hurst, get, I mean, get that offense going. The, the other guys on defense, got to get that defense going. It is... It is a 365, 24-7 job, and I think these guys are up to it. 
I agree. We're all looking forward to it. With us on the show today on our Michigan Game Day segment has been Wolverine great uh, John Jansen. John, as always, uh, my listeners love hearing from you, and we appreciate you being so gracious with your time. So until we meet again to, uh, to talk about the upcoming season in August, have a great summer. And again, thanks for joining us this week, John. I appreciate it. You made my day talking Michigan football. Have a good one. Quick Hits is up next as we wrap it up for another week. First a word from our sponsor this week, Hall Financial. Hey, this is David Hall from Hall Financial with a fun fact. I graduated from the University of Michigan back in the day and I bleed maize and blue. In fact, it hurts me every time we have to hire a Spartan or even worse, a Buckeye. But they make it up to me with how well we take care of our clients. At Hall Financial, client satisfaction is at the core of everything we do. And it's why we're racking up five-star lender reviews on Zillow. Check them out. Speak with a mortgage expert today. Give us a call whether you're purchasing or you want to refinance your home mortgage at 248-574-8323. That's 248-574-8323. Or you could chat with us online. Go to davidhallmortgage.com, hit the chat button, send us your situation or your questions at davidhallmortgage.com. Lower rates, better options, more personal attention. That's all financial. 248-574-8323. Restrictions apply. A Michigan licensed broker. Lender and NMLS number. 1467-435. Equal housing lender. On quick hits today, after taking a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the fifth inning, the number 17-ranked Michigan baseball team surrendered four runs in the top of the sixth to drop a 4-2 contest to the visiting Ohio State Buckeyes on Sunday inside the Wilpon Complex, home of Ray Fisher Stadium. Despite the loss on Sunday, Michigan won the series thanks to a 6-0 shutout victory on Friday and a 5-2 win on Saturday. Michigan will return to Big Ten action this week when they hit the road for a three-game weekend series with Purdue. They are 35-11 and 11 overall, 11-7 and 7 in the Big Ten, heading into this week's action. Softball earned the number two seed for the 2017 Big Ten Softball Tournament and will open play at 4.30 p.m. on Friday against the winner of the Michigan State-Indiana first-round matchup. The league office announced the schedule on Monday. The Wolverines will host the conference tournament Thursday through Saturday at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. Michigan is hosting the Big Ten tournament for the 10th time in program history and the first time since 2005. The tournament was reinstated on a rotational basis in 2013 after a four-year absence. From 1995 to 2008, it was held at the site of the regular season champions. The 12-team single elimination tournament will begin at 11 a.m. on Thursday with four first-round games involving the teams seeded 5th through 12th. The top four seeds received first-round buys and will open play in Friday's quarterfinal games starting at 11 a.m. The first semifinal will be played at 1 p.m. on Saturday with the second semifinal following at approximately 3.30 p.m. First pitch for Saturday's Big Ten Tournament Championship game is scheduled at 6 p.m. The tournament champion will earn the conference's automatic berth in the NCAA tournament. Michigan finished the season with a 41-10-1 record, 20-3 in the Big Ten. Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores, and you can also hear us on iHeartRadio. Thanks to this week's guest, Michigan great John Jansen. I'll have a Michigan man extra for you next week, 
and my guest will be Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. We'll talk Michigan football and also catch up on the latest news from softball, baseball, and anything else of interest on the Michigan athletic scene. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Hall Financial, where client satisfaction is at the core of everything they do. Speak with a mortgage expert today at 248-574-8323. That's 248-574-8323. We appreciate you supporting our sponsors, so when you call them, tell them you heard about Hall Financial on The Michigan Man. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!